Are you guys ready for the word? Yes. All right. I'm excited to preach today. Today I am going to preach on the power of the word. Yes. <laughs> but before I do, I'm just going to pray. So why don't you guys just join me in prayer? Holy Spirit, we just thank you for your presence in our midst. I just ask that you would even attune our awareness to your ever real presence right now that you are here amongst us. And I pray that as the word is being released today, that it would be a demonstration of the spirit and of power. We just thank you for everything that's gonna happen today, everything that has already happened. I pray that you would just continue to wreck us today. Wreck us in your goodness, wreck us in your love, wreck us in your joy, and wreck us in your hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, it is a little toasty. <laughs> Hold on. All right, so yeah, I want to talk about the power of the word. And I was really excited to preach about this because this is one of my favorite topics. And my goal today is to teach you how to relate to the word with your spirit. That might kind of sound for all you analytical types just as I'm an analytical person, whenever, whenever someone said, hey, just see in the spirit, that made no sense to me. I'm like, I don't know how to engage with my spirit. And so part of what I want to give language to is how to do that. How many of you guys are like me? You're like analytical. Whenever someone says, you know, see in the spirit, engage with your spirit. You're like, what does that mean? All right, hopefully I'll help you today. And then afterwards, if we have time, I'm going to give a demonstration about, of the power of the word through a time of ministry, okay? Sound good? So I'm going to try to hit it from different angles so that it can unlock something in your mind where you're like, okay, I understand. And then you will also know how to partner with the word in different ways. Because when you can understand this, the power of the word, your striving ceases, your faith is activated on another level because you're resting in the word to accomplish what it was set out to accomplish. You're not trying to make things happen. And that's the rest that we get to enter into. I want to start off by sharing what I learned through a season of pursuing power evangelism. For many years, in the beginning years of my walk with God, I thought I was an evangelist. Who knows? I still might be. I don't know. But I had a heart that was burning after evangelism. I saw videos of people going out on the streets, you know, praying for the sick, people getting radically healed. And I'm like, what? We could do that? We could do that? I want to learn how to do that. And so when I was in ministry school, started in 2010, I radically pursued going out on the streets, learning how to hear God for people with prophetic words, to pray for people, seeing miracles, healings. And one of the things that I really believe but I never saw demonstrated was the power of the gospel. How many of you believe that there is power in the gospel? 
Even when I say the power of the gospel, is that just like lip service or do you really understand that there's actual power in the message of the cross? And I'm not saying that to make you feel, accuse anyone because that was me, I'm like, what's the power of the gospel? Yeah, it sounds good, but what does that look like? So I always believed in the power of the gospel, but I never saw it demonstrated. And when I was in ministry school, I had a mentor who now is a close friend of mine. His name is Chris Overstreet. He's an evangelist. He has one of the purest hearts for Jesus that I know to this day. I really appreciate that man. I'm not who I am today. I mean, I wouldn't be who I am today if it weren't for Chris. And uh, yeah, I just want to honor him. (laughs) Yes, go Chris. And he's the one who showed me the power of the gospel. Wherever he went, he would take the opportunity to share the gospel with people. And I remember one of the first times I was out walking with him. We, we just went out for a walk. We were on this bridge. And someone co- he, uh, comes up to him and he says, hey, my name is Chris. What's your name? And the guy shares his name. And the next thing that comes out of Chris's mouth, he says, hey, has anyone ever shared the gospel with you? And the person said, no. And then Chris said, well, can I share it with you? And I'm sitting, I'm standing right next to him. I'm just cringing inside. (laughs) Have you ever like stood next to someone when they're sharing the gospel with someone and then you're like cringing for them? Like you're embarrassed for them. You're like, oh my gosh, like I'm embarrassed for this person. They're going to crash and burn and I'm nervous. I was feeling that. And here's the weird thing, even to this day, when I'm around people sharing the gospel, I still cringe inside. But I think it's not necessarily a, a bad or condemning thing, like, oh my gosh, I should get it by now, I should have more faith and believe that like, this is what we're supposed to do. I, I feel like the essence of the message of the cross is it's an offensive message, right? So yeah, it made me a little nervous. I was nervous and he's, he's sharing the gospel and it was nothing fancy. It was just that Jesus died on the cross for his sins. That he was forgiven, that Jesus loved him. And he was just sharing those words in a matter of three to five minutes. And as he was sharing, tears were streaming down this guy's face. And I'm like, what is going on? And right after that, uh, Chris led him to the Lord. He gave his life to Jesus. And I was amazed. Because this whole time, I was pursuing after the gifts. I was pursuing power evangelists. I need to show people, give them a miracle. Have them have just this crazy healing. By the way, I've seen a lot of healings, and sometimes when people get miraculously healed, there's not that much of a response. They're like, oh yeah, I'm no more pain. (laughs) And you're like, you just got healed. You know, so it always confused me, but... No, no word of knowledge for healing, no prophetic word. This person, just with the gospel being shared, in tears, encountering the presence of God. And I want to dissect that for you and just dissect how that works in my mind, okay? So as Chris was sharing the gospel, I could f- actually feel the power of him sharing. And I think that was the first time I had ever seen the power of the, the gospel displayed in presentation. 
And time and time again throughout my year with Chris, I would see him, you know, sharing the gospel with people at the airports. I would travel around the world with him, wherever he is, the, the airport, the bathroom. <laughs> and people are in tears, time and time again, in tears, giving their lives to Jesus after three minutes. This one time, we, we were late to board our plane, and I went to the bathroom, Chris went to the bathroom, and I, I ran out to board the plane. I'm like, oh my gosh, where's Chris? And then he comes like a minute later, he's like, oh, someone just got saved in the bathroom. <laughs> so after I saw this, I, I started to run with it myself and started to step out, just sharing the gospel with people. And... Um, I started seeing that same power in my life. It's really cool, you know God, he is the best teacher. He is the best ministry school. It's so cool how intimate he is with us because he will teach you the things that you desire to learn. I had moments, I don't know what I'm doing, I've never shared the gospel. I don't know the right words to say. But as I'm sharing, I could feel something come on me to the point where I'm like, I can't fail right now. Words are just coming out of my mouth and I feel power coming out. And I see these people crying and giving their lives to Jesus. Here's the thing, not every single time, okay? There's times where I, it feels lifeless and dead. I'm like, I'm butchering this thing. This, I don't feel any power. But sometimes people still give their lives to Jesus. God is so, is so good. And here are the, uh, some of the key things that I learned, two key things. When, whenever I saw Chris preach and whenever I preached, it wasn't necessarily trying to appeal to their intellect. The message of the cross does not always make sense to our carnal minds. So when I first started, uh, you know, thinking about preaching and sharing the gospel with people, I thought I have to craft it in such a way that someone would be persuaded, that it would make sense to them, and they're like, oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. Jesus is the son of God. Yeah. He was born of a virgin. Yeah. You know, he, he did die on the cross and forgave me of my sins, and now I get to go to heaven. Like, if you had no context of that at all, and I told you that, that sounds absolutely crazy. There's no amount of reasoning no matter how I put it, no, no, ma no, no matter how much persuasion I put it to, have it make sense to your human intellect. So I think when you share the gospel, it has to come from a different starting point, that you're not trying to appeal to someone's intellect, you're actually trying to appeal to their heart. The difference I saw when Chris shared the gospel is that I believe the power came from him sharing from his heart. I believe when we share from our mind, we're, we're immediately engaging from a place of the intellect, yeah. trying to persuade someone. Yeah. But when we're speaking from our heart, it's, we're speaking from our spirit. So that's the starting point. And I believe when you speak from your heart and you actually believe what you're saying, that the spirit anoints the words and it, it, it pierces the person's spirit, their soul. And something inside them says, I don't know exactly what they're talking about, but whatever words that they're speaking, it's true. There's something inside of me telling me that it's true. 
I learned that the, the, the word actually has the power and the ability to bypass the mind and hit the heart. So even the hardest of hearts, the people that are like super intellectual, you know, you're thinking, oh my gosh, if I share the gospel with them, it will never pass their mind. Guess what? That's what the gospel does. It has the ability to bypass the mind and hit the heart, hit the spirit. I'm going to make a bold statement. This is what I believe. I believe that truth is actually spiritually discerned and not through our intellect. That's what I believe. And what I'm not saying is that your mind can, uh, cannot understand and that there is no value in understanding. There is definitely value in understanding. But I do believe that the mind has to be in submission to the spirit and not to human wisdom. That's when your mind is in right alignment is that it has to be submitted to your spirit. So if we're using our intellect as the ultimate compass for truth, we're already lost. We're lost already because we're using the wrong compass. The truth is discerned first through the spirit and not the soul. The soul, the, our, our mind, our will, our emotions, right? With our spirit, it's, it's our heart. We discern the truth in our hearts. I want to further illustrate this by looking into John 6. So why don't you turn to John 6 with me. We'll also have it up here. Just to set the stage, Jesus had just fed the 5,000 by multiplying food. And he had a large gathering of people following him. And then he proceeds to tell them this, starting in verse 51. He says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore quarreled amongst themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. Are you listening to these words? Does this absolutely sound crazy? Like, can you imagine being one of the Jews following him? And you're hearing this man <laughs> saying, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Wouldn't that scare you? Like, this guy is crazy. Why am I following this guy? Verse 60 says this, Therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. <laughs> Who can understand it? So keep this in mind. They were seeking understanding in their minds. Isn't it fascinating that they, they use the word understand? Who can understand this? Keep that in mind. Verse 61, when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend from where he was before? He's doubling down. <laughs> He's doubling down on the offense. He wasn't afraid to do that. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. 
But there are some of you who do not, what's the word? Believe. He didn't say, there are some of you who do not understand. He said, believe. You believe with your heart, you understand with your mind. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. Verse 66, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the 12, do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Sounds like he had belief. This example here is like the gospel message. Stand alone, it doesn't make sense to our minds or appeal to our human reasoning, right? Eat my flesh, drink my blood. <laughs> but this is the key. Jesus said, the words that I speak to you are what? Spirit, and they are life. We see here that many of his disciples left Jesus and no longer followed him because they were offended and didn't understand. And you know, verse 67, where Jesus said to his 12, do you also want to go away? That to me is a chilling verse. It saddens me and I feel like Jesus is saying that even now today. He's saying to his people, do you also want to go away? Are you offended by me? Is the message of the cross no longer believable to you? Do you loathe the worthless bread that came down from heaven like the Israelites loathe the manna? Has it become too boring and bland for you? Does it not appease your intellect or human reasoning? You know, if you have been a believer for some length of time, the, the gospel message gonna, is going to be challenged. If you don't keep it fresh in your mind, you can get numb to it. It could, it could become that worthless bread, which is bland and boring and stale, that doesn't have that power that it once did when you first gave your life to Jesus. Do you also want to go away? Are you so bombarded by just people's opinions, the world's opinions, that the message of the cross looks foolish, that it's no longer believable to you, that you can't understand it anymore, but that your heart has become so numb that you can't even feel it. And I'm not accusing anyone when I'm saying that. I'm saying, man, that happens to me. I have to be careful. But we see here Peter, who rightfully discerned to whom shall I go? You have the words of eternal life. You see, whenever I'm in confusion, whenever I'm inundated with competing voices that challenge the message of Jesus, I always come back to here. To whom shall I go? You have the words of eternal life. At some point in time, each and every one of you have to put the stake in the ground that no matter what happens, no matter what I'm thinking, or I'm trying to be persuaded or convinced of, that challenges the message, the message of Jesus, that you know personally, not, not a pastor that's gonna tell you, but you know personally, hey, this is not the way to go. <laughs> I am being deceived. I know, I know that he is the son of God. 
I know that he has the words of eternal life, and I'm not going to move from that thing. Telling you that is a lifeline. Some of you need to hear that. Because truth is not relative. Truth is a person. It's Jesus. And if you're trying to get truth by your understanding, by your intellect, by your mind, I'm telling you, you're already lost. Even if Peter didn't fully understand, maybe he was even offended. He was able to discern truth because he believed with his heart. And so not everyone left Jesus that day. There was something that kept them there with Jesus. And I believe that even though they might have been offended by his message, they felt something in their heart that told them that what he was saying is true. Again, my words are spirit and they are life. It's bypassing the mind and hitting their hearts. Likewise, when you look at the gospel, yeah, the message of the cross is offensive and is a stumbling block. And guess what? It's meant to be. (laughs) It was designed that way. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 1. Verse 18 says this, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Why, why do we hold wisdom the wisdom of this world with utmost authority. I love this. It's like God is like putting his foot down and he's saying, I'm going to make the wisdom of the world look like foolishness. This is my favorite verse of this passage. It says, verse 21, for since, this is, this is so awesome. God, he's a gangster. This is just, this is so awesome. This is so cool. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. That's so crazy. I mean, did you guys get that? Can you unpack that? That it's in his wisdom that the the world through their own worldly wisdom can't see him. And it pleased him. He's, He's like... He's laughing at this. He's like joyful about this. That through the foolishness of the message of the cross, it's salvation to those who what? Not understand, but believe. For Jews request a sign. In John 6, that's what they did. In John 6, the Jews said, well, you know what? Moses, he gave us a sign from heaven and manna came down. Jews request a sign, Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. The message of the cross was intentionally constructed to confound the wise to actually confront our carnal minds. The purpose of the message wasn't to appease your intellect. You cannot, you cannot discern it 
through carnal thinking or human reasoning. It is spiritually discerned. So like I said before, when I'm sharing the gospel, my starting point, I'm not necessarily trying to appeal to someone's intellect. Yes, I do want to communicate it in a way that I feel like they could understand. But my starting point, my, my, my rest isn't in my own persuasive words or my excellence of speech. Right? Because I know that's not going to convince someone. It has to be a demonstration of the spirit and power. It has to come from the spirit. It has to come from my heart. So instead, I'm appealing to their heart. You guys with me? Is this sinking in? (laughs) Okay. Trying to explain it the clearest and simplest way I can. You see, the word, again, has the ability to bypass the mind and hit the heart. And the truth is discerned by the spirit, not the intellect. And Hebrews 4, I believe, shows this. It explains how it does this. So Hebrews 4, verse 12 says, for the word of God is living and powerful. In some translations, it says, is living, is living and active, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. Soul, right, being the, the mind, the intellect, the emotions, and spirit, the heart, okay? And of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts, again, and intents of the heart. So the word of God is able to divide soul and spirit, intellect and heart. And it has the power to communicate truth to your spirit, even if your mind doesn't understand. So I don't know if I'm explaining this correctly, but the word of God is able to discern between your thoughts and your heart. So even though you have thoughts that are maybe, uh, you know, human reasoning, human wisdom, worldly wisdom, competing voices, the living word of God, the word of God is living and it's active and it's powerful and it's able to discern that and speak directly to your heart. You guys get that? (laughs) One of the things that uh, Pastor Bill Johnson says, uh, I love this quote, he says, God will find the, uh, God will offend the mind to reveal the heart. You know, when, when you feel offended, sometimes when I, when I get offended, I am a little bit shocked, but I'm like, oh my gosh. I, I take it as a sign, like, there's something that I'm about to learn. And oftentimes, if it's truth, it, it might sting, but you welcome that because it's, at any given point in time, you might not know, you might be believing something that is actually a lie. You see, the nature of deception is that you don't know that you're deceived. So especially when you are, I mean, at any point in time, I could be believing a lie or deceived about something and not know about it. So it is actually very important for us, especially, especially when we can sense that we are confused by the opinions of men or worldly thinking, to actually submit ourselves to the word. Yeah. Not to be wise in our own opinions 
and not to exalt our intellect above the word because that is the temptation. I'm telling you, in this day and age, more than ever, there is so much confusion in the world. Whether, you know, it's sexuality or gender or you name any hot topic, it's because people are trying to make sense. And everyone, here's the thing, everyone has a, a reason that makes sense to the intellect for why they are right. And then truth becomes relative because everyone can make an argument for their own case. We need to let our minds be renewed by the word. And we have to put our minds in submission to the word. So we approach the word, not necessarily for information or for the actual answer, but to actually to calibrate our hearts to the truth. And when that happens, then we are then able to see and perceive clearly and correctly. I think that's one of the confusing things is that we think that truth is the end-all be-all answer. I have the, the, the right answer <laughs> for whatever issue. So we're, we're looking for, for this like concrete thing that we're like, this is the truth. And like I said from the beginning, that truth is actually a person, right? Yes. Yes. And when you can actually have the heart of God, yeah. you're able to see clearly at any issue. You're able to discern rightly yeah. because you're clear here. Yeah. Yeah. You can see clearly. You don't have deception clouding your heart because you're letting the word renew your mind. This is why it's so important to be in your Bibles, to read. You know, if, if I just try to encourage everyone, oh, you need to read your Bible, that's not that great of a motivator. <laughs> but if you actually know why it's so important, like you literally can't see clearly if you're not in the word. You're doing yourself a disservice. It's like you're driving a car and you have all these like bugs on your windshield and you're just driving like, like this, trying to squint through when you could just turn on the windshield wiper, let that wa wash off all the bugs. Let's <laughs> turn to Ephesians 5. You know, Ephesians 5 verse 25, th this is often shared in context of Husbands, love your wives, right? right. But I want to I see it from a different perspective because it also is talking about how Christ relates to his church, yeah. relates to us, okay? Husband loves your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might what? He might sanctify, sanctify and cleanse her, sanctify, <laughs> sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. <laughs> Let me say that again. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. I don't want you guys to miss this. Jesus loves his church. We are his body, right? He loves us so much that just as like, what he's telling husbands to do to love their wives. He loves us so much that he washes us with the water of the word. This thing right here is his love offering to us. He's cleaning us. He wants to present us holy and blameless 
without spot or wrinkle. This is how he loves us. The word sanctifies and cleanses us. You see, when I read my Bible, I intentionally approach it with my spirit, letting the word actually calibrate my heart to wash over me. So going back, like I said, I was an analytical guy, right? When I first started reading the Bible, I approached it with my mind. I approached it with my intellect. I wanna learn something. I'm gonna memorize verses. There's nothing wrong with that. As I started understanding the word, the word is spirit, the word is life, I started coming to the Bible with first my heart, with my spirit, because instead of my goal being intellectual understanding, I wanted an encounter. Okay, John John 1 says what? Verse one, in the beginning was the what? The The word. The word was with God and the word was God. So if you can understand that the word is spirit and life, you come to the Bible from that posture, you're coming to actually engage him, right? To encounter him. That's what intimacy is. That's what being one with the word is. One with your spouse. Intimacy. As you begin to know your spouse, be intimate with them, you become one with them. You become holy as he is holy. You start to see how he sees. You start to have his heart and believe with his heart. He gets to wash you with his love, with the water of the word. Any place that you're not seeing right, he washes that over. So it's not always necessarily the words I'm reading. Sometimes I'll just sit in a verse. I go to Psalms, I sit in a verse, and, okay, this might sound like over your head, but the best way I could explain it is like I'm just sitting there trying to like breathe in the scripture. Like to, to just like sit there, I guess you could say meditate on it or just become one with it, to, to, to really engage my heart with it. Amen. I appreciate that. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> so right now, are you guys with me? Yeah. Makes sense? Okay. I want to give you an inside look into how I actually preach to drive this point even more. So I'm, I'm telling you, I'm hitting this from different angles yeah. so you guys will see. Whenever I preach, I, in, I actually intentionally look forward to reading scripture. I actually don't include scripture just to make this sermon official or just to read words to you and give you information. There's intentionality. Whenever I read scripture, I'm making sure that I'm not reading it and reading it to you just from my mind or just blindly reading the words. I'm actually engaging my heart with it. You see, whenever I read it, I take my time, right? And I'm trying to dissect it for you, like process it in real time with you guys. I'm not only teaching it, I'm engaging it 
Myself too. It's edifying me, it's feeding me. And I imagine whenever I read the word from my heart, my spirit, that I'm, I'm releasing him, the word. He is the word, right? The word is him. He is the word, the word is him. I'm releasing an encounter. I imagine that whatever I'm sharing with you, you might not even fully understand, but I'm appealing to your spirit and believe that something is being imparted to your spirit that resonates. So every time I preach before, this is what's happening, but you didn't know because I didn't say it. I'm doing that. I'm consciously doing that. And we could, whenever we come to a church service like this on a Sunday morning, we, we can compartmentalize things where we're like, okay, it's during worship where I actually feel the presence of God. But during the sermon, I don't feel the presence of God. Well, guess what? The presence of God is him, right? He is the word. The word's being released. Whenever we're reading scripture, he's being released in this atmosphere. There is an encounter right now. Whether you know it or not, that it's hitting your heart. It's hitting your spirit. You're being washed by the water of the word. John 15, said, Jesus said, like, hey, you're already clean because of the word that I've spoken. So to further demonstrate this, I actually want to go into a time of ministry. We're going to do a couple things. But I want to go into a time of healing, but we're going to do it differently today. And here's the thing. I believe that even when you go after healing, you don't necessarily have to pray for anyone. Because the word has been released, he's in the room. Jesus, he is in noun form, healing. He is healing. Wherever he is, healing happens because he is healing. (laughs) And I've had times where even um, on missions trips where it's not because of my own like faith. I'm like, oh, I'm so anointed. I have so much faith. But like to the point where I just had this crazy gift of faith where I was seeing miracles, healings, all, everywhere that I went. And it came to a point where I went up to people and said, dude, just check out your knee. I don't even have to pray for you. God is healing you right now. And they're like, what? What? And I, I want to show you, I believe that God will back his word. I believe that healing is present here. So what we're going to do is this. Um, if, as I'm speaking, you can feel a stirring in your heart. And you actually need healing. I want you to stand up. Also, if you don't necessarily feel a stirring in your heart or spirit from the words that have just been released, but you want to now engage with healing... I want you also to stand up. Okay. Okay. Awesome. So this is what we're going to do. We're not going to do anything. I just want you. I just believe in the word. It's going to carry out what it's meant to accomplish. I want you to even just uh, start checking out your body. If it's measurable, if, if... 
The thing that you need healing for in your body is measurable. Like, oh, you have pain in your shoulder. Start checking it out. If you have to, like, go in the aisles, do some, I don't know, jumping jacks or push-ups, go do that and, and, and just test it out right now. All right, if you're feeling anything, again, this is no pressure, I mean, but if you feel any change in your body, can you just raise your hand right now? Okay, a couple people in the back. Three, four, five. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, we acknowledge what you're doing in this place, Jesus. We thank you that you paid for our healing on the cross, that it is finished. Yeah, even right now, we just, Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would increase what you're doing in this place. Yeah. Yeah, we acknowledge your healing in this place. I, I want you to just even start, continue to just check it out. Do something you couldn't do before. All right, if you feel like 50% or better, can you just raise your hand? 50% or better? Awesome, thank you, Jesus. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you guys just lay your hands on, on someone that's sta standing up. I'm just gonna quickly pray as well. Here's the thing, I, I also do wanna hear of what God is doing in just a second, but Father, right now, in Jesus' name, by the power of your word, by the power of the finished work of the cross, I release and declare healing over every single body right now in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name, be healed. Receive your healing. Be healed in Jesus' name. All pain go right now. Every bit of pain leave. Whoa. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right, all right. If there's anyone in here, uh, you feel 80% or, or better or completely healed, can you just raise your hand? One right there. Anyone else? Right here. Thank you, Jesus. Can we, can we just quickly hear like what, what God is doing? Can I ask you what, what just happened? Yeah. Did you have pain in your body? I did. Left shoulder. So he had pain in his left shoulder, has no more pain in his left shoulder. Come on, Jesus. Any, someone else back here? Who, who raised their hand? Just want to hear real quick. Well, God was it? Yeah, yeah. Is that Yuka? Yeah, what happened? What'd you get healed of? Pain in your wrist? And as, as soon as you stood up, you could feel the pain was gone? Come on, Jesus. That's awesome. Yeah, right there. What happened? 
come on. So, yeah, even before we even started service, she walked in, she had a sore throat, and her throat's been healed. That's, come on, that's amazing. You know, I, I really felt this. Um, I heard a testimony of a friend. You guys could have a seat. Thank you guys so much. Um, if you're still contending for a healing, I, I still believe God's working. Just continue to receive, receive. Um, I was reminded of a testimony of a friend. He, he's at a church in, in Austin, and they were having a service, and, and God started dissolving metal in people's bodies. And even to the point where um, people that had metal feelings, those, uh, those metal feelings were disappearing where they could taste metal in their mouth. And I just felt to release that testimony. I, I believe that, that if you have metal in your body due to surgery, you don't have full mobility in any of your joints, I believe God is dissolving that metal. If you need, uh, if you have metal fillings, like even right now, I just release that testimony for brand new teeth, for metal, metal dissolving. If that's you and you taste metal burning in your mouth, let me know. I want to hear that. The final thing I want to do, yeah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your word, what you're doing today. Final thing I want to do to kind of just demonstrate everything that I've, I've been sharing is... I actually do want to give an opportunity for people to receive Jesus today. And so, if you're here today, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, but you are feeling that stirring in your heart, you might not even completely understand, but even the words that are coming out of my mouth, but something inside of you saying, whatever that... Korean man up there <laughs> is saying, like, it, I feel like what he's saying is true. I can't even put it in words. I'm telling you, that's Jesus. He's wooing your heart. He's, he's trying to set you free. He, he wants a love relationship with you. If that's you and, and you want to start a re relationship with Jesus, I want you to just raise your hand. Is there anyone? Is there? Okay. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else? And I'm going to do something in a moment. This is not to embarrass you. I actually just want to be able to pray for you guys. If that was you, you raise your hand, you're like, I want a relationship with Jesus. Can you guys come up here? Because I, I want to I wanna lay hands on you. If, if you came with a friend, maybe the friend could bring them up. So they... Yeah, you will come up, thank you. Yeah, yeah, come on. Is there anyone else? Don't be shy. Well, um,
this is what I'll say. If you are in your seat, you didn't come up, it's okay. <laughs> what I want to share with you right now is that Jesus did die on the cross for you. Not because you're a bad person who he was just disgusted with, and that he, like, it pain, like, he just did it because, you know, like, he hated you. It's not because of that. Every step that he took towards the cross, you were the joy set before him. Even though it caused him tremendous pain, it was worth it for him to make every intentional step towards the cross for you because he had you in sight. He had your redemption in mind. He said he knew that your life was worth his life. He was willing to give it up for you, to completely forgive you of your sins, to wash the slate clean, to make a home inside of you, to be one with you, reconciled with you. And so right now, Romans 10, 9 says this, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So in actuality, there is no sinner's prayer in the Bible. Romans 10, 9, it, it just clearly says, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, you will be saved. So if you want to just express your faith in giving your life to Jesus, to starting a relationship with him, to receiving his forgiveness of sins, I, I want you to just close your eyes right now. And I'm gonna give you words that you can even make your own and, and, and express from your own heart, okay? There's no magic in copying, just copying verbatim what I'm saying. Let it come from your heart. So it's just simply, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. And I believe that you rose and died, uh, that you died and rose again. I am a sinner and I I repent of all my sins right now. And I receive the free gift of your forgiveness. I accept you as my Lord and Savior, and I surrender my life today to you. And if you meant that with your heart, you are saved. It's that easy. And here's the thing. I'm going to have um, our, our core team come up here. We're going to lay hands, and I'm just going to pray for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. So again, if that's you, you didn't come up, there's no shame. Just come on up. We want to lay hands on you. We want to have the Holy Spirit fill you with power. And uh, yeah, it's going to be awesome. So why don't you guys come on up. Whoever just prayed that prayer for the first time, even if it is for one person, is well worth it. <laughs> well worth it. So, so 
Yeah. Yeah, let's just lay hands on her. Why don't you guys just pray? Yeah. Yeah, so Father, right now, we thank you. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, fill from, from head to toe right now with your presence. her completely fill her with power with love yeah. Yeah. we baptize you right now in the name of the Father Son and the Holy Spirit we baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire yeah. thank you Lord thank you Holy Spirit you guys all stand up with me I'm just gonna close this out I'm gonna pray for you guys yeah father we we thank you we thank you for your presence here today we thank you for your word I believe that you are moving on hearts today that you are doing a work in us I pray Holy Spirit that you would breathe on everyone's hearts whatever was deposited today, that you would use it and it would bear fruit in our lives. It would even change the way we see, that it would pull us deeper into a, a love relationship with you, that you would give us revelation, that you would speak to our spirit and give us revelation and understanding of how you relate to us and how we relate to your word. Right now, I just bless everyone in here. I thank you. Father, fill them with unspeakable joy, with love, with, with hope, and I bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.